Welcome to Vase, a podcast about weird stuff. I'm Peter C. Hine. And I'm Stephen James Buckley. And today it's our great pleasure to have joining us author, journalist, green witch and Reiki master Jennifer Lane. Hello, Jen. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Um, We're we're embarrassed to say that you're actually the first female guest we've had on Vase yet. You're also the first witch. And so we're really super excited to talk to you today about all this stuff. Well, I'm very honoured. And yes, very excited to talk about witchcraft, um, green witchcraft in particular. Um, you have a really, really impressive CV. Um, you've written for Vogue, uh, Guardian, BBC, uh, the Wildlife Trust, the RSPB. Um, I, I recently read um, an article about you in the iPaper as well. Um, and I was, I was actually introduced to your work uh, through The Wheel, which is, I think that was your first published book was it it was yes it came out at the end of 2021 which feels like forever ago now <laughs> it really it's still does. you know it's still uh, i was in waterstones the other day picking up a uh, an ordnance survey map which is a uh, another story entirely but i uh, I, I i happened upon the uh, the occult and witchcraft section and there was the wheel right in the middle <gasps> pride of place, pride of place. honestly so it's still going strong it's still yeah. going strong i, I, I came across your book um on um Amazon, actually, of, of, of all places. We, we don't always sort of recommend Amazon as the place for people to buy books, but the algorithms were really in your favour. It, it was recommended to me repeatedly. And I don't just buy stuff off their recommendations, but I um, I read a few reviews and they were absolutely stunning reviews. It was really impressive. Um, so I ordered the book um, and I absolutely devoured it. Um, it's one of my favourite books that I read last year. Um, it's, it's really, really gorgeous. It's, uh, it's evocative, it's powerful, and it's really, really thought-provoking. Um, could you talk a little bit about The Wheel and what it's about? Yes, of course. So um, so I began writing The Wheel right in the middle of the pandemic when I had a bit of time to like get my life sorted. Um, so basically, The Wheel is, is my journey from living in the city, being incredibly stressed and burnt out to the point where I was experiencing these really quite shocking physical symptoms um, that I didn't know what to do with. I was going to A&E every other week thinking that my whole body was falling apart. Um, But really it was the stresses and strains of working in a job that didn't resonate with me um, and living in this busy city environment. Um, Because I think so many people can can resonate with that. Like we, we live in these places that we're um, not designed to live in. The human body hasn't caught up with the fact that technologi- um, technologically we've become more advanced. Um, I think we still all want to be living close to the fields. Um, so basically, I was physically and emotionally stressed from that and I decided to take a break. Um, and what I wanted to do was reconnect with the, the witchcraft that I had loved so much as a teenager. You know, I used to be obsessed with Charmed, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, all those things. And that led quite naturally. <laughs> I can see your hand go up. Yes, we, we all were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the craft as well. The oh, craft the craft. Oh, yes. oh, My I first love. Um, yes. So I, yes, all this stuff in popular culture was pointing teenage me towards witchcraft. Um, and that's where I went quite naturally. And for me, um, Connecting with witchcraft as a teenager was just this wonderful experience where I got to I got to be outside, you know, all the time and, and look at the moon every night. And, you know, people weren't really talking about that when we were 13, 14. Um, so it felt like something very special to me. Um, and so when I had this, this work break, I decided to reconnect with that um, element of my life and um and witchcraft just took over. So I in 20 
19 it was, I began my witchcraft journey all over again. And the wheel is my journey of discovery, um, going through the seasons, going through the pagan wheel of the year. So the eight different um, witches festivals and basically healing my body and mind from this incredibly stressful experience and just falling back in love with nature. It really, really does resonate with me as well, this book, um, and for a lot of the reasons that you've just said. Um, I, I mean, I hadn't even got all the way through it before I just forced it into Buckley's hands when we were having coffee <laughs> yeah. one day in Manchester. Um <clears throat> One of the things that struck me so much about it was how much it mirrored mine and Buckley's experience of actually starting this podcast. You know, we'd, I think we'd both living in cities. You know, I, I'd been living in Manchester f- uh, for years, um, but Buckley over in Preston. Um, and um, we were meeting up and just naturally longer and going for longer and longer walks in the countryside and reconnecting with nature. And that's led us um, through a, a journey which paralleled yours in some ways to where we are now you know doing this podcast i have a magical practice um and um we uh, really felt that um you know it really resonated with us um because i'd been feeling disconnected as well um and uh, you're being able to get out into nature and um you know, it's, it's almost like a, a coping mechanism for me now. Um, and another thing that really struck us about this book is that it was written largely about the north of England, which <laughs> is where we're both from. And I, I think it's quite a magical place, the north of England, anyway. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah, I feel like all of the, the nature books that I've read in the past, you know, I'm obviously big on nature. I used to work for the RSPB in conservation. Um, and so, yes, for me, having all of those southern focused books didn't just didn't really sit well with me and like I, I really wanted to make this book about the places that I, I knew and loved. Yeah, absolutely. And it really comes across, you know, the the sense of place and the sense of the beauty and, and the awe of nature within it, you know, especially when places that I can picture so clearly that are in the book, like Pendle Hill, um, places in Silverdale and so on, is is really, really uh, p- powerful really. Um, so I, I met you um, at uh, signing at Crooked Books, um, which was uh, when I was going to buy my second copy of The Wheel, <laughs> which I actually have here now. <laughs> With the um, new cover. Yes, yeah, that's it. I, I recommend that all people buy both copies as well, because both of them look beautiful. Um, and, all people. Um, all people buy all both people. copies. All people <sighs> buy both copies. That's a really weird way of saying everyone. <laughs> <laughs> all people <laughs> always a critic <laughs> all, all people are always critics but um I, I thought i thought if if um if jennifer lane is nice and friendly when i speak to her i'll ask her to come on the podcast because um i'd connected with that book so much and i was so pleased uh, when you agreed to come on um so when you you mentioned about for such a long time uh, you'd been into witchcraft as as a youngster um what came first for you was it the writing or the witchcraft or have they always gone hand in hand for you i think they've always gone hand in hand i've wanted to write for as long as I can remember. I remember sitting in my room, imagining myself as like a, a magazine editor, age 18, like, you know, piecing together my own magazines. Um, but I suppose my first real love was witchcraft. That was the thing that I became obsessed with. Um, so it started off with, um, you know, hours drawing ancient runes in my in my books um, very late into the night and, you know, reading witchcraft books by candlelight. And I was very lucky enough to have supportive parents who would take me to borders or waterstones and like, you know, just you just pick what you want. And I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I can't imagine like many people's parents doing that for a 13 or 14 year old. So I'm so grateful. Um, 
because I was just able to find out this wealth of information. Um, and then that kind of went on to astral projection, herbs, all different forms of like spirituality that fall under the bracket of paganism. Um, and so I did just gather this like wealth of knowledge as a teenager. So when I returned to it in my late 20s, it all just kind of toppled back into place in this really nice way because I was thought, oh yeah, I actually remember doing that, you know, on my bedroom floor when I was 15 or something. Um, so it, it all just kind of fit back together. Fantastic. And and you mentioned um, earlier, and I have it in my notes here, that you um, you consider yourself to be a green witch. Uh, could you explain for our listeners what that is and what that means? Uh, yes. So I think there's two strands really because a green witch is someone who really appreciates nature, wants to spend time in it, you know, takes their shoes off on the grass and really wants to ground themselves. They have this real deep affinity with the element of earth, I think, in particular. Um, and so there's this kind of deep groundedness to them. But also um, there's that element of kitchen witchery as well, collecting herbs, gathering drying herbs, storing and creating tinctures. Um, and that's something that I do as well. So every time I go outside, I have this like, wonderful connection with nature where I, I feel like I can name the trees, I can feel their personalities, I can sense what they're what they're feeling that day. And maybe if they're not feeling so good, I might give them some of my own energy just to give them a little boost. Um, but a lot of the time it's around um, knowing where herbs are going to be uh, and then storing them. And then I create a lot of teas and infusions. Um, so I would say that green witches have a real working knowledge of herb law and they can use it to heal people. That's that's um, really really great description of it. When I was reading your book, um, I I felt sort of an affinity for the type of magic that you were talking about within it. Um, I kind of considered myself a a chaos magician up until that point, but I realised that my practice is actually um, I think a lot more devotional than a standard chaos practice would be, and I think I owe that to the bits of witchcraft that I've sort of picked up al along the way. You know, I, I, I particularly uh, to nature i i do a, a lot of um work with trees really you know like uh, i am um, uh, I, I, I this is gonna okay going to the woo woo stuff you know i picture myself as a tree a lot uh, i use a tree as my axis monday there's one particular tree that i like uh, which is um, a really nice oak tree which is in the, the woods near to my house which i try to visit daily and um, and I, I use a lot of my magical practice and I, I started to realize that a lot of that probably came more from the witchcraft side than it, it would from the sort of standard sort of uh, western magical tradition that you would say you know from the golden dawn and that kind of thing Okay, so um, I thought we'd talk now a little bit about uh, why we've got you on uh, the podcast. Um, so partly by accident, uh, fortuitous accident, partly by design, um, 
We're recording this today on what's commonly known as Blue Monday. So, Blue Monday is commonly known to be the most depressing day of the year. It normally falls on the third Monday of January, which is today, the 16th of January, when we're recording this. Um, I'm a little bit dubious about whether it's real or not, because... It was actually like, if you go back to about 2005 when this first surfaced, it was actually a gimmick uh, by a travel company called Sky Travel. Um, and um, But what it symbolises, I think, is actually very real. Uh, because at this time of year, you've got the bad weather, you've got the longer nights, you've got the dip in your mood after the festive period when you've been off work. Um, and also it's the middle of the month, so you've still got the rest of the month to go. A lot of people get paid at the end of the month, so they're suffering from that after Christmas. And you've got that thing where you're like you start writing the dates and you're still writing 2022 and you've got to go back and rewrite them all with 2023. All the time. And that does really get you down. It's nightmarish. (laughs) But um, but apparently scientists have completely discredited this theory as baseless pseudoscience, but they would say that. Um, The thing that we want to talk to you about today, Jen, is the connection between witchcraft, magic, nature and well-being and self-care. So anyone who's read The Wheel will know uh, why you're the ideal person to talk about this. Uh, Because at the beginning of The Wheel, as you've mentioned earlier, you were really quite ill. Um, Could you talk a bit about um, your sort of journey from um, this sort of illness and stress? And how do you think that fully embracing nature, witchcraft and magic affected your health and well-being? Yeah, definitely. So I think when I first started falling back into those rhythms of nature and observing the festivals. So the first one that I observed this in that particular year was the festival of Yule. Um, and that forms, it's, you know, it's the, it's the first day of winter, it's the winter solstice. And usually that was a time when I would be like peak seasonal affective disorder. I, you know, re- I've really suffered with that, like traditionally, like over the years. Um, and yet really struggling with like feeling motivated and also just feeling you know, I'll just say it, feeling very depressed at that time of year. Um, But because um, I was looking at Yule from a new perspective, I was finding the magical elements of it. Um, I performed a ritual. Uh, it It was also very close to a full moon as well. So I think I was just able to notice all these little things um, surrounding that festival that I would have just breezed over usually. Um, and so that level of mindfulness really brought me back to myself. Um, but something that's really wonderful about the Pagan Wheel of the Year is that it's very propulsive. It's it, There's eight festivals and there's, uh, there's around six weeks between each one. So there's never too long to wait until you've got something else to celebrate. So if you look at a, a Christian calendar, you may, you've maybe got... Easter, Christmas, a couple of other things scattered in between that, you know, you can take or leave. But with this wonderful structure of the cyclical cyclical calendar, um, there's something really wonderful about that because you can can dive into it and you know there's something coming up. Um, So yes, right now it is the bleak midwinter. Uh, we're right in the middle of January. It's, um, it's been snowing here today and I'm guessing it's been snowing where you are as well. Uh, it's been very cold here, but not Yeah, we've frozen. not had any snow. Um, everything, is, um, everything is frozen. All the puddles are frozen and everything, but we've not actually had any snow yet. Ah. I've not even got frozen puddles. I was able to cycle today just fine, smooth, but um, it's felt cold enough. That's why I've got a dressing gown on. Yeah. I'm pretending that I don't wear a dressing gown always, but I do. <laughs> I had planned to wear something. Yeah, normally I wear a tuxedo for these <laughs> interviews, but today I'm wearing a dressing gown. Next time. 
Uh, yeah, I definitely planned on wearing something witchy today, but no, I thought I've got a hot water bottle instead. Oh, um, so, nice. so basically, yes, we're right in the middle of winter, um, but there's the festival of Imolk coming up. Imbolk, Imolk pronunciations vary. Um, but on the 1st of February, those are the traditional, that's a very traditional start of spring when we first start to notice the, the newborn lambs, the fresh shoots of grass, uh, lesser celandine and wood anemone are out at that time of year. Um, so I think that being able to notice these wonderful things within nature um, that we would perhaps breeze past usually. Um, it just brings that extra level of mindfulness. And for me, those that was the very starting point um, for my um, mental health recovery journey because um, be- before Yule, I, I honestly think I was like the worst I'd been in my life. I was such a mess. Um, but slowly over the course of that year, being able to observe those festivals um, and also find that community as well. There's something really wonderful about witchcraft in that we're always trying to seek each other out. I think maybe we naturally cross paths. Um, but I do feel like the community is incredibly welcoming. Um, a lot of people may have may have said in the past that there's quite a lot of gatekeeping that goes on, um, but I haven't really found that in my experience with returning to the witchcraft world. Um, I know that when I was living in living in London a few years ago, I was welcomed to like open circles at Treadwell's Bookshop, um, and that was open to everybody, um, no matter what your path might be, no questions asked. And I really, really enjoy that aspect of witchcraft is that people are willing to embrace you um, and finding that community can be such this like supportive network for your mental health as well so yeah I think that it was um, getting out in nature um, but also finding those people who could really be really supportive of you yeah and are you a solo practitioner or are you part of a coven uh, so I have always been a solo practitioner. Um, I've come together with people perhaps a couple of times a year on on Samhain or Letha to do a bigger celebration. Um, but for me, witchcraft is incredibly personal and I, I do like to do a lot of like trance work, inner work, shadow work, and that, you know, lends itself to being alone. Um, I completely see the benefits of why people would want to be part of a coven. Um, it's just, it's something that I personally... It, it doesn't really resonate with me and the way that I am as a person because I am such an introvert, yeah. <laughs> perhaps the most introverted person say, I know. <laughs> I, I'm the same. I'm I'm a, yes. a, a, an absolute introvert. And mm-hmm. the idea of being part of a coven or a magical organisation feels like a lot of extra admin <laughs> to, to sort yeah, of yeah. get through uh, b- before I get to the good stuff. I, I think um, one of the things um, that I've noticed, I, I, I'm not a magic practitioner myself, but I do believe it is real. And I do believe uh, I've read plenty about it, and I, I, I think that there are people who can um, manipulate reality in whichever way you choose to kind of uh, word that. Um, one of the things I've noticed is that it's very much similar to a creative pursuit mm-hmm. in the the way that people. So I've 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 seen Hein here, you know, sort of start his magical practice and read about different things, pick up different things, try different things. And it's almost like picking an art medium. You know, do I prefer to draw with paints or pencils or pastels or sculpture? It's almost like you've got something in you that's, that, that is a, it's like a creative need to do things. And, and you, you're just kind of choosing your kind of means of, of, of expressing that almost through magic. And it seems like a, a very creative thing, which 
I think that came out when I read your book as well. Like it's like you kind of like the way that you sort of, oh, well, let's try the shamanic drumming kind of side of things. It's like you're kind of adding different things into the pot almost. Definitely, like a, yeah. It's like you're making something. Yeah, there's um, this, this element of like um, being quite eclectic and just seeing just seeing what how how those things sit with you. Um, there's there's been some things within witchcraft that I've tried and I've I've really just it's it's like been a barrier to me. I've just thought no, I don't understand this and it doesn't feel right. But I tend to go off the energy. Like I might try something a couple of times and if if it doesn't sit well with me, I will I will leave it. Um, so I mentioned in the book um, there was a particular god that I decided to work with. Uh, went out to the forest um, to connect with them, and they came along. Um, I don't know how other people experience gods and goddesses, but I, you know, I do see them as quite a, like a real physical manifestation. Um, and for me, it, it wasn't working. I, I, I did not like their energy at all, so I decided to leave them alone and never worked with them again. Um, but for me, like looking at other gods and goddesses, so I work quite closely with um, the goddess Breed or, or Bridget, and for me, like she is, she is the one. Like we we're like partners in crime sometimes, and I absolutely adore that. Um, but yes, you mentioned the shamanic drumming, and that's another another thing that's not necessarily a part of witchcraft, but I suppose does fall under paganism as a whole uh, or general spiritual practice. And you know, you can weave that in, and there's just I think that's something that's really wonderful about witchcraft that you don't get in other spiritual paths. It tends to be quite you know dictated to you. You can and can't do this. These are the rules within witchcraft. Not so much. A lot of people practice paths that I wouldn't go down maybe um so perhaps like those more negative forms of witchcraft that look at like manipulation of um of realities or of um of perhaps even people and for me that's not something that uh, that sits well with my own practice but I can see why people might want to do that um and I think it's a perfectly valid thing to do we're all learning we're constantly constantly gathering information um and it's just sometimes interesting to try different things out once in a while absolutely yeah I, I completely agree with that and um similar to you I I, I find myself happier I think when I'm connecting to sort of a natural energy um you know w- w- when I'm doing my magical practice uh, and and uh, very similar to what you've just described a, a lot of my stranger experiences with uh, magic have been when I'm out in the woods and you know, you, you catch a, a strange sort of energy and and um and you know I've, I've talked about this previously on on the podcast so I won't go into it all again but I, I had quite a terrifying experience quite similar to what you've described um with um with pan um and um it was um it, it, it turned very quickly from something beautiful to something um, terrifying. <laughs> yes, but, but that that's exactly like nature, though, isn't it? Because nature does the exact same thing. You know, in 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 one breath it can be beautiful, um, and in the next it can be destructive and 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 dangerous. And I think that is just part of what you get tuned into when you start practicing magic. Exactly, yeah, and I think that particularly if you're working with elementals like like the fae or with salamanders or any kind of elemental like that, they can be so changeable. Um, their environment doesn't like follow the same like linear timeline as us, so you know things things might change more quickly for them or more slowly. Um, 
I, yes, I think, you know, I mentioned it in the book. I had an experience with the Fae that has that's yeah, kind yeah. of put me off a little bit for life. Like maybe I would be interested in a few years to have a have another go at engaging with them. Um, but for me, it was such an all-encompassing, terrifying experience um, that I have decided to just put that to bed for a little while until perhaps I've done more research and know more. Um, I think you can go into a situation where you want to connect. You, you, you know, you feel an affinity with a deity or an elemental without really having met them before. And you go into it with like all guns blazing, like today is the day I'm going to meet this, this wonderful creature. And it does not go according to plan. And you, you're kind of blindsided. You, you don't, you just don't know what to do. Um, but yes, I think, you know, if you are dealing with forces that you're not quite sure about, it's always very worth doing your research beforehand. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's really good advice. <laughs> do you do any kind of um, like protective practice, any kind of anything to kind of almost protect you from potential darkness, if you want to call it that? Or? Like magical hygiene and that kind of thing. Do yeah. you do any ban- banishing rituals or anything like that? Yeah, banishing rituals, protection rituals. I always wear my amethyst everywhere I go. Um, and if I tend to be going into um, a situation where I know there'll be lots of people around me, so it, you know, just anywhere in public that has lots of people, um, I will do this thing where I kind of zip up my energy from the ground up um, to keep myself protected, um, kind of lock myself away um and that kind of like lets you go under the radar a little bit but also it keeps your energy safe so yeah just those basic things and you know my house is full of cleansing materials um and also because i i practice reiki as well um i tend to keep my my space cleansed um pretty much all the time so that i can go straight into a reiki session um i mean i i'm not always the best at it I, I try to be. Uh, I think ideally I would be doing it every day, doing some sort of meditation practice. But I think we all know just how life gets and we, we want to be doing yeah. those things. But it's not always possible. Yeah. No. Because there's something that struck me was, it's just come to me now, was that um, people will often talk about the uh, potential dangers of magic and how you should be grounded in reality, reality. Uh, that was air quotes, by the way, to the listeners. Um, you know, you should be grounded in reality and be be careful of dabbling in magic and witchcraft and the occult or whatever. But in your situation, it's kind of been the other way around where reality was actually the thing which was making you ill and causing you harm. And it was actually kind of moving away from that and more towards what the consensus would call uh, fantastical or whatever, but you know, th- this this alternate way of looking at things um, actually was the thing which brought you the most comfort and healing. That's so and true. It turned out not to be damaging, whereas it was the it was the you know the the quote normal life that was actually a lot worse for you. Where I was in my life at that time, um, I was kind of living in this very traditionally masculine environment uh, it was very fast-paced and very demanding Um, and what I hadn't done was was slow down and incorporate that yin element into my life which I do do a lot more and I think witchcraft lends itself uh, quite naturally to that feminine element um, and just to have that balance of um, you know the go-getting modern world but also that relaxation and rest um, and recuperation Um, you know, witchcraft, there's, there's a lot of, of of women who practice this, perhaps more women than men across the world. Um, and I think there's a reason for that sometimes. I, I do feel like sometimes women feel 
that they have to compete with this with this um, really almost aggressively fast energy when really they they want to be slipping into what they feel more comfortable with, which which tends to be which which can sometimes be that yin element. Um, so that's something that I've definitely found within witchcraft is just is just creating that balance within my own life has helped. Yeah, I think that's a really important point and one that does come across really well in, in the wheel. Um, and I think it's something that I think our listeners will really benefit from if they read this book because the book uh, is is written from quite a feminine perspective. But that was something that I found really useful and really helpful when I read it because I feel like that's something that I perhaps because I also work in a, a corporate environment which is quite masculine driven. Um, and obviously I also it made me think also that I have to embrace that other energy, you know, what you refer to as the, the yin energy, you know, something more feminine, something more healing and, and caring and something which is really, really easy to overlook. I mean, you say in the wheel that um, as many as half of all sick days in the UK are as a result of stress, um, which is absolutely remarkable. Why do you think that burnout is so common uh, in, in our culture today? So I think it's like I mentioned before about how our bodies just haven't caught up with the environment that's being created. Um, and yes, all these technological advancements are, you know, so helpful, so wonderful for the for the majority of us in the West. Um, but there is this this part of us that is still living in, you know, 1600, where you know you might have had to walk a mile or two for for a glass of water, that kind of thing. I uh, really like your social media presence. I really like the way that you curate your Instagram um, and um, and all of your online, your website's really, really good. Um, and um, it's obviously something that's, I mean, uh, witch talk, as they call it, is really, really popular. And it's getting, um, although obviously there is a negative side to that, it, it is getting out ideas of the practice and the craft to a lot of different people all the time which is which is really really i think important um but how do you think that we find a balance between advancements that are obviously really helpful you know because modern technology has given us stuff like the covid vaccine or uh, uh, directed cancer treatments um, and all that kind of thing it's also allowing us to talk across miles at the moment you know uh, right now you know and get this out to listeners um but how do you think that we can create a world in which we balance this uh, advancing technology which sometimes seems to be running our lives. You know, we sometimes feel like we're um, slaves to dopamine. You know, the technology creates, curates and uh, sets out every aspect of our life for us. How do you think that we can take a step back and and create a balance there? Oh, I think there's that element of digital hygiene that 
a lot of us could be better at. Um, I, I sometimes fall into the trap of not practicing what I preach. And I feel like my social media is very focused on helping others to switch off and to make sure that they have the time they need to heal. Um, but actually, sometimes I end up running myself into the ground producing content um, when I should be resting. So I think that's something we can all get better at. Um, but really, I, I do think that having um, an allocated hour or two of the day that we spend online, you know, doing our admin that we all need to do, um, but also getting out and enjoying nature. Um, I think that one of the most helpful things for me has been um, walking the same route every single day. And I find that, that noticing those small changes over a particular area um, has just been so grounding for me it helps bring me back to myself I get to know um like, like I said I get to know the energies of certain creatures or plants or trees that are there and I always know where the herbs are um before that when I was just living very much focused on my phone on my screen and spending you know 12 plus hours a day online um for work or otherwise um I just didn't I didn't know what was outside my window. I didn't know what the weather was like. I didn't know what moon cycle we were in. So I think maybe just making sure that we we have those have that knowledge close to us, like even an app on our phone that tells us what what the moon phase will be. So we can use technology to really advance our, our witchcraft practice if we want and our observations of the natural world. You know, for instance, I find out most of my information about herbs online rather than in a book because it's so like readily available and this um, and, you know, Witch Talk has been this wonderful tool in sharing the gift of knowledge within witchcraft. Um, so there's these wonderful things that can help us. But yes, um, there is that digital hygiene where we do need to switch off and reconnect with the earth. Um, and something that also really helps me is literally just going outside and putting my, my face straight on the, straight on the earth, <laughs> making sure that I connect with my, my third eye right to the ground um, to absorb that energy. Um, it's it's so easy to get swept away with it all. Again, another reason why people might feel worse mentally in the uh, in the winter could be something to do with the fact that we don't in the winter tend to spend as much time in nature anyway because it doesn't it's not as pleasant as it. Like I I walk in the countryside a lot, but not in the winter because it's just cold and wet and it doesn't look as nice. And you know, whereas in the summer you're you're out there and you can see all these like forms which are growing and the shape of them and they're moving and they're alive and whereas in the winter it's just not got the same appeal and so you don't go out as much you're spending more time inside and that actually just compounds it doesn't it, it makes you feel worse it's true but um, I, I had to force myself outside today a couple of times I was like right I'm going out no matter no matter what the weather but um but winter is also that wonderful time of turning in on ourselves and we can do a lot of the um the work that we've been perhaps shirking over the summer like in the summer months we we are outside you know we can look down at our our phones or our pedometer and say oh well, you know I've been outside for five hours and I've done 20,000 steps that kind of thing but really um in the winter it is that traditional time of slowing down and look, looking inward doing some reflection um shadow work has become very popular as, as a as a an aspect of a witchcraft practice something that we'll all find on witch talk if we have a look at there um but yes I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing staying inside um, so long as we're 
we're just very mindful of it. Say, I'm staying inside for a reason because I'm doing the inner work, not just staying inside and scrolling. I think maybe we have to reframe it and look at another reason why we're staying inside to do that inner healing. I think that's really insightful because I've started, especially since reading your book, um, I, I suffer from seasonal affective disorder as well. Um, and um, I, I've started to find that there is a, a strange sort of creative energy which I have in winter, which I don't necessarily have in summer. And it is a very introspective thing. But um, things like I find it easier in winter to dig deep when I'm doing writing and that kind of thing, um, you know, and, and I also find that my I've found having started my magical practice last year in the summer that I've kind of dug deeper into myself when doing my magical practice in the um, in the winter. It's been far more directed inwards, uh, whereas in the summer I was out in the in the woods and I was looking at uh, all these things and I was connecting with animals and um, and the sort of the trees and everything lo- looked splendid. And now, you know, like I, I get up and it's dark and I get home from work and it's dark. But, um, you know, t- t- even just walking outside in the darkness and being there in the darkness uh, um, has, has let me, if I allow it to, access a kind of creativity, which I, I couldn't probably access as easily Um in the summer, if that makes any sense yeah, at all. No, that's amazing. How how does it manifest for you? Like, how what are you doing? Are you, are you writing things down or writing things yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I've I've been um, I've been um, taking walks in the darkness, so walking in the woods in the dark. Which I wouldn't recommend that people do that everywhere. I, I live in a very very quiet place in the country, um, and um, and so I, I walk in the darkness. I, just when I'm taking my dog out, maybe, and and I walk in, and I I think and I write ideas down, and then I structure things and uh, I work slowly on writing ideas and that kind of thing and that is where I find um, access to these ideas which I probably shy away from in the summer maybe some darker aspects which I think will connect to the shadow work that you were talking about earlier and I I have been trying to um, make something of these ideas last year me and Buckley actually did it with an an album that we were writing um, uh, and and I did the same thing then I I sort of went went into perhaps a slightly darker place than I would normally Uh, it's a very dark place (laughs) (laughs) oh no <laughs> uh, I found it very fulfilling, but I had to really force myself to do it. You know, like I couldn't. It was I was lacking the motivation. But once I dug me up beyond that, I, I found that I'd got quite deep. Um, I don't know if that's something that you experience as well. Oh, one hundred percent. I've written some very dark fiction in the winter, yeah. Um, and then in the summer, I'm just like, oh, I'll just do a little sprinkling of poetry. That'll be lovely. Uh, that's all I need today to get me through. Absolutely. But yes, there is there is that element of darkness, and it just it reflects in your creative work, um, perhaps because you're processing your own emotions at that time. Um, but yeah, I think there's this, I don't know if it's a new idea within witchcraft, but you know, just, just doing, doing your inner work and healing to be the best person that you are so that you can put, um, quality energy out there to, you know, to affect the, affect the whole, to affect the collective consciousness, you know, doing your inner work is, is beneficial to, to the world, not just to you. That's an interesting way of looking at it, really. I don't know, you know, sort of from, like I said, from someone who doesn't <clears throat> have a strict magic practice in any way, but the idea that someone would think about it in that way seems a lot of what I've read about magic seems very, this is how I discovered this or how I, how I achieved this or how I connected with this thing or whatever, rather than something that's a bit more helping the general population and the universe in general you know maybe i'm just reading the wrong books i don't know <laughs> no, I, I suppose <laughs> I have that. you see what i mean though 
Yeah, yeah, no, completely. Um, I think maybe like the form of witchcraft that I practice, it has that that element of um, like the cunning folk, cunning people and that kind of mm-hmm. like uh, village witchcraft where you would be like the healer in the community. Um, it's something that I, that really resonates with me um, is that I think that when I, when I wrote the book and also when I generally practice witchcraft is that I want it to be for for a good reason, like for helping people. Um, I think by sharing my journey in the wheel, I was hoping that other people might recognise themselves in that and see that there is a way forward through through depression, through anxiety, through all those those symptoms that I was experiencing because they're so common. Um, I'm, I was hoping that you know people would see that there, this is a pathway to healing as well. Um, but yes, I, I love to think of myself as a cunning person in my kitchen, you know, fixing a few herbs together and sending them out to people on my street who've got a few aches and pains. It makes me feel good about myself it helps the community um so i think that witchcraft can be this really positive force within within a local place absolutely i really love that and and that's obviously how um a few of your different practices um have that sort of synergy you know because you've got your reiki practice and uh, the shamanic thing as well is that all of those things are all about healing um, and that's something that comes across really really strongly in your book in, in terms of nature um what do you think it is that unites uh, a magic practitioner, particularly of the sort that you are, um, uh, with nature? Do you think that magic comes from nature? I think that they're one and the same. I think they're made of like the same fabric and that I, I don't, this is a personal perspective, I don't know how other people feel, but I really don't feel like you could call yourself a witch or a pagan practitioner without having a deep connection with the earth. Um, because for me, they're just synonymous. Um, going outside in a rainstorm or, you know, in bright sunshine and you know, feeling those elements on my skin, that makes me feel connected to magic. It makes me feel connected to spirit, to the gods and goddesses that I would call as part of my practice. Um, so for me, it is all just the same thing in, in like different packaging. Um, so I think that if I if I wasn't connected to nature... I don't know how I would connect to spirit. That is my way forward. That is my link. Um, But obviously there are so many different forms of witchcraft that there'll be differing opinions. But that is just, for me, that is the strongest way that I can connect with my spirituality. So that kind of brings us on to um, something that I wanted to talk about, which is your upcoming book. Mm. Um, So you were saying The Wheel was out in 2021, uh, was it which which does seem like a long time ago now it but does. Um, it's so weird and it had you know last year it had a resurgence with its brand new cover so it all kind of feels a little bit fresh in my head <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you've been on a book tour as well haven't you which seemed exhaustive when when um i i i, I could see on you because i i caught up with you at crooked books in hebden bridge which is a shop that i really like but you, yeah, you went mm. it is really good yeah it's wonderful did you go across the whole country or was it based in the north or it was mainly based in the north um and yeah, a couple of things in London as well. But yes, it was it was so interesting. You know, my, my first book tour, didn't know what to expect, but it was just honestly, I, it just felt so positive. But that's I think that's because of the message behind the book. It really is about healing, and people yeah. were in this space where we we need such deep healing that people were coming coming for the book. It's not the kind of book that I imagine would attract um, a negative crowd. Mm-hmm. Like you see some some uh some of the kind of magic community can be a little bit gatekeepy or a little bit uh nasty to one another perhaps yeah on certain social media platforms but the vibe of your book is one that's a lot more community 
and like Open. you mentioned yeah you mentioned before that you'd not really experienced the gatekeeping and i think it's like the sort of message that's in that book doesn't really lend itself to that people who are going to be like that about things yeah it's going to be interesting out. yeah exactly in reading yeah. a book like that like i when i read the book i felt good like it was a nice feeling it was oh. like, like a nice feeling of sort of uh, you know, it was a quite a comforting book almost. And then I suppose sort of, I just like how it wasn't all negative. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, no, I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so glad to hear that. But yes, I know what you mean. Like people people can be um, gatekeeper-y because um, I've had experiences where like a, a few years ago when I wanted to join a coven and so I kind of went to an interview where they had to like see if you're a good fit for the for the group, um, and it was all very very strange because you felt like you had to be on your best behaviour. Um, but yes, it was just a very different feel. Like you felt like you had to fit into some kind of magical type. Um, whereas I think the form the form of witchcraft I practice does tend to be more open. That's all. That, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and I think like the idea of having to fit into a type that you know, if we're looking at magic as being an art in the creative sense then that is completely that's the the absolute best way to completely extinguish any flame creatively yep. from the art is to like say right you've got to do it like this it's like that's it becomes a job at that point doesn't it totally totally So, The Witch's Survival Guide, Spells for Healing from Stress and Burnout. That is the title of your new book. It fits in perfectly with what we're talking today. I have my copy on pre-order um, and you can anyone listening to this now can get, also get theirs. It's um, on Amazon and... Waterstones. Um, Waterstones. Um, and it, it, should, it should be... Um, yeah, it should be in every... Every bookshop, I think. No, um, it basically, yeah, it's out at the end of April, um, and I wanted it to come out um, in, in spring to coincide with the Festival of Beltane, which for me um, is a, this wonderful festival of fertility um, and also healing. So it just felt like the perfect time to think about how do we heal from this from this intense burnout that we've been experiencing, particularly over the past couple of years. Um, but, you know, the term burnout has been around for decades. Uh, people really do want to heal, but we perhaps we don't have the, the means um, quite yet. But because I have this experience with using witchcraft and nature to heal, I wanted to put all of the rituals and spells in one place. You know, things that I have used, things that um, people I know have used. So it's like a compendium of, of the, the rituals, charms, talismans, um, spell jars, lots of different means uh, and methods that people can use to, to heal themselves from the, the trials and tribulations of the 21st century living. <laughs> Fantastic, because I, I, when I read the, the Wheel, I think the Wheel is a great book uh, to introduce to someone. If you were, if if someone thought that they might want to try magic, 
uh, or witchcraft. The Wheel is a great way in, and that book is almost more like a journal, isn't it, Of uh, as you go through the year. But it seems that the, um, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, but The Witch's Survival Guide is more of a practical magic book, something where people can pick it up and try some spells of their own. That's right, yes. Um, and it follows a structure of looking at the four elements. So all of the spells and rituals fall under a different element um, so that they can be performed at a different time of year that corresponds with that element. Um, you know, so in, a, in summer, you might choose to do more fire rituals. Um, but also because witchcraft is that very personal thing, a lot of people don't resonate with particular elements. Um, for me, the element of air just doesn't really factor into my practice. It's not something that really comes up for me a lot. Um, whereas I use a lot of of fire as a, as a force behind my rituals and spells. So for me, that fire is my go-to element. So I would use more of those rituals and spells. Um, so I wanted to include a range that was suitable for lots of different people. Um, I also wanted to make them quite accessible because I know that within the witchcraft community, there can be these... I feel like I always talk about this, but I, I have a thing about people creating beautiful altars that you can take a picture of that have crystals worth hundreds of pounds on there. And you're looking at it going, wow, this is spectacular. This is what witchcraft is. Um, when really that is, those tools are not necessary for a witchcraft practice. All you need really is, is yourself, um, the four elements around you. You know, maybe you want a bowl to put some water in, but that's probably about it. A couple of candles. Um, witchcraft doesn't actually need that much. You don't actually need to buy much for it. You can find those things within nature. Um, so I wanted to make sure that, that was part of the book as well, that the book that spells and witchcraft can be accessible to everybody, no matter what their means, and that you can just go out into the into the woods and come back with a stick and say, This is my wand now. Um, so yes, I wanted to make sure that was part of the book. So I feel that. Um, people reading it will get quite an immersive idea of what rituals and spells are available. Um, but also those spells are targeted at healing from things like anxiety, um, self-sabotage, procrastination, all those um, those things that come with low mood um, and also seasonal affective disorder. So yes, I'm really hoping that, that the book is able to open doors for people. I love that. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I have that exact same attitude to magic, which I think is another way that I'm probably closer to witchcraft is that I, I believe that all you need um, for witchcraft is just a patch of dirt and an intention. And from there, you, you can just take it from there. And I, I really can't wait to read this book. Um, I was also going to ask you, have you got any, any, any other projects coming up or anything like that that you'd like to talk about um, whilst, whilst we're on here? So the book's coming out, is it the 27th of April? That's right, um, yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, and um, is, is there any, have you got anything else that you're, you're working on or anything else that you'd like to talk about? Uh, yes, I do. So I have a my very first fiction book coming out this year as well. Um, so I have a young adult novel coming out in September, um, which I'm very excited about because that has been sitting in my bottom drawer for many, many years. And I'm so glad that it's finally going to be out there. Um, it's quite loosely based on the idea of the Pendle Witches in that they're is um, an ancient, like there's a legend within a town, but really it's focused on this obsessive friendship between three girls, um, but also dealing with issues of mental health um, and being in a very rural setting and how cut off that can make people feel. Um, so really it's quite, a, it's quite a psychological book with a lot of witchcraft because that is my one topic. 
That sounds amazing. And as, as a young adult myself, I will be picking that book up. <laughs> and that's called The Black Air, and it'll be released in September this year. And if you follow Jane on Instagram, you'll be able to keep up with her updates. Okay, so as I'd mentioned just before earlier, I myself suffer from seasonal affective disorder, and I have done for a long time. And I have it probably worse this year than I have in a long time, I think, because uh, my family had COVID over Christmas again, and uh, and then stomach flu, and then tonsillitis, and it just went on and on. And I don't feel like I've rested. I don't feel like I've had Christmas, but I do get it every year. And I and I know I've been to a doctor about it, and I know that I just have to kind of wait it out effectively, and it will pass. But if anyone listening uh, to this podcast today is really feeling down, or is really uh, feeling um, they haven't felt this before and that they're starting with it now or if they have felt it before but it's especially bad this year just uh, please um, go and speak to either your doctor or um, a month ago I put in our show notes um, a list of um, helpful websites and phone numbers which I will link to again in the show notes here that's a, the place that you should be starting but for people like me who um, I, I just feel a bit disconnected I feel a bit down I feel a bit unmotivated um, I was wondering um if you have any um, advice that you could give us as the Green Witch of our global village, um, whether there's any um, advice that you could give our listeners, uh, magical or otherwise, of how they can, you know, quick fixes that they can use to help um, get them through this dark period on their way to Unbulk. Yeah, so um, we mentioned before about how it can be so difficult to get out in winter, uh, we don't really want to. Um, I know that it's rained pretty much solidly for the past three weeks, so I can completely, I can totally see. Uh, but sometimes it's around bringing that nature inside. So I have an altar that I use as part of my witchcraft practice. It's a place that I go to meditate. I perform all my, my rituals there. It's portable, so I could take it around the house wherever I am. Um, but I, I always find that bringing the elements inside onto the altar um, really helps me to reconnect with not only myself, but with the natural world. Um, so I would advise bringing things that represent earth, air, fire and water into your space, making sure that they're part of your everyday life. Um, not necessarily cut flowers, you know, those things, you know, they're it's very like mass produced, but things that you've collected yourself like conkers or pine cones, um, you know, lighting some incense. I think surrounding yourselves with the depiction of the four elements can help to lift your mood. It can bring you out of that reverie that sometimes comes with with depression or low mood um it's also around you know connecting with the senses so that's not necessarily a witchcraft thing but like if i if i'm lighting incense or a scented candle um the sense of smell really helps to rejuvenate me um i have a lot of mint around the house as well so for me mint and sage and rosemary those are all plants that represent happiness to me particularly rosemary um, they always say to have um, a, a living rosemary bush by your front door to bring joy to anyone who comes over your threshold. Um, so I, I would say starting small in that way. You don't need to be doing major rituals to blast away any emotions at this stage. I think starting small, grounding yourself with the elements is the first point of call. Um, and then you may feel that you want to progress onto something um, a bit more challenging, um, a longer ritual where you connect with a deity. Um, but yes, I would I would make sure that you feel grounded in your own home and your own space uh, because that's likely to translate to your inner self as well. 
Yeah, wonderful. I mean, that's that's really, really good advice. And I, I find that just a very small five-minute ritual, doing it daily, mm. provides a lot of comfort. Um, I mean, I'm a person who quite likes routine anyway, but to, to have that sort of, um, it's a bit like the way that just going for a walk um, or just or just doing, you know, like five or 10 minutes of exercise can really uh, improve your mood as well. You know, that, that there's a certain, aside from the ritual itself, there's a certain way that sort of that repeated action can make you feel grounded. And, and I found that really helpful. Completely. Um, and so we ask all of our guests this, but um, do you have any recommendations of any uh, books th- uh, that you find really helpful in your witchcraft journey or just that you like? They don't have to be about witchcraft at all or movies or music or anything that people who listen to this podcast might might really get into. So I'll, I'll start off with a couple of witchcraft books that have helped me in recent years. So I think like, the first one that got me that was a real help in getting back into my witchcraft journey with the wheel um, was Hedge Witch by Ray Beth. Um, And I think she was writing in the early 90s and she writes letters to new witches um, that she's helping to like, help help them rediscover their witchcraft practice um and so as i was reading that i really connected with that um she goes through the seasons she goes through the festivals um it's a lovely gentle way back to the craft if you feel like you might have lost your way um Something more practical that I found recently was a book called Earth Magic uh, by Lindsay Squires. She's called The Witch of the Forest on Instagram. Um, and she writes in such a vibrant, colourful way. Um, it's, a, you know, it's quite a thin book. It's not, a, it's not a, like a challenging read that you need to go into and feel like, oh, I'm starting another book. Um, it's really accessible. Um, and I find that those, you know, blasts of magic in my life can really bring me out of myself if I'm struggling. Um a fiction book that's really helped me as well um, to feel connected to nature. And it's not something that I was expecting, but um, but Hamnet by uh, Maggie O'Farrell, um, which won loads of prizes over, it's won so many prizes over the past couple of years. Um, it's, a, it's a depiction of, you know, Shakespeare and his, and his wife. Um, but basically we see Shakespeare's wife as a witch um, and she talks about her, personal practice and the way that she's connected to the land and I just thought wow that is that is who I aspire to be (laughs) this one character in this book um and so for me that was that really helped me to um I suppose figure out what I wanted in my witchcraft journey and how I wanted to um have this vision of the countryside as part of myself just you know just that that feeling of connection so for me those three books are just wonderful I'd thoroughly recommend those um not only for healing from like, any kind of mental health problems that you may be experiencing at the moment, but they're just excellent books. Fantastic. That sounds absolutely amazing. And I'll link to all those in the show notes. Um, and so finally, um, where can people find you and your work? Yes, so I'm mainly active on Instagram. Um, so you can find me at The Green Witch Writer. Um, I also have a website, jenniferlanewrites.com, where you can book in for Reiki and find out more about my books. Um, But yes, um, always drop me a DM and I'm really happy to answer any questions at all. Fantastic. 
Um, and so uh, while we're talking about where you can find people, you can find Vase um, on both Twitter and Instagram at, at Vase and then Vase spelled backwards. So that's at V-A-Y-S-E-E-S-Y-A-V. You can email us on vaseinfo at gmail.com. Any questions or queries, send them there. And we have uh, banged on about it a lot, but I'm going to continue to do so. The The soundtrack to the show is available on Bandcamp um, and um, it's all done by Buckley here under the... Uh, mo- <laughs> under the moniker of Polypores and all of the proceeds from that album go back into the podcast to help us to um, afford to keep on doing this, to keep on getting guests and to keep on talking to interesting people. So um, if you could also, um, it's really helpful to us. Thank you everyone who's been listening. We've uh, really, really uh, appreciate uh, the numbers of people who are uh, listening to the podcast. Um, and if you enjoying the podcast uh, please subscribe rate and review because that is the thing that games the algorithms makes more people discover the podcast and will mean that we can continue to do this and continue uh, to talk about interesting things to interesting people yeah i have i have one last question jen before oh, you go go on go so, for it who's your favorite witch in pop culture <laughs> Grot bags. <laughs> I love Wicked, grot bags. <laughs> Wicked Witch of the North, Wicked Witch of the West, tea bag. Do you remember tea bag? Who's oh, tea bag? You might be tea bag and t shirt. She had like a little boy called t shirt. I think it was probably. You might be Late slightly 80s. too young. Yeah, you might be slightly yeah. too young. But that was she, she was, was she was a good witch. She was terrifying. She was a terrible. Do you remember grot bags? I don't remember grot bags. I remember Why don't, grot bags. I don't remember there, there, that? There was um he he, he had a, the the guy who had the emu. Who was the guy with the emu? Rod Hull. Rod Hull. He had a pink windmill and a, a witch called grot bags used to come and try and yeah. uh, defeat him. But well, who, t- who's your favourite, Jen? We we, we we can't just we, we we could be reminiscing all night here. We <laughs> need to know your favourite. <laughs> my my first introduction to witchcraft was Mildred Hubble from The Worst Witch, and that is still a cracking series. And I would read that again in a heartbeat. Um, she was like this messy, chaotic kid with a with a scruffy cat, and I'm like, I think that's who I've based my life on because that is me. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, there thank you very very much. Yeah, thanks, Jen. We really appreciate thanks. it. It's think, been. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we we stopped recording now, haven't we? Yeah. Um, no, we haven't. Oh, right. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> this isn't going to be on the show. No, it could, it could be if you want it to be. <laughs>